A federal appeals court ruling on an officer-involved shooting case may have the chance to upend how the justice system holds police officers accountable. In April 2015, San Diego police officer Neil Browder shot 42-year-old Ferdun Nahad. Browder thought Nahad was armed when he confronted him in a Midway District alley, and he only had a blue pen in his hand. The court says the suit filed by the family should not have been dismissed, which has implications beyond just San Diego. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Greg Moran, you're the legal expert on the Cops and Courts team at the Union Tribune. And why don't you walk us through this shooting that happened in April of 2015? Right. It was uh, a shooting that occurred just after midnight uh, down in uh, Midway uh, at an alley there. Um, The uh, uh, police officer, Neil Browder, was responding to a a call that had been made into the police about a man with a knife who was threatening people. Um, he showed up at the call. He got there very quickly um, and uh, came and parked uh, in an alleyway behind some businesses there. Uh, turned on his uh, spotlight uh, down the alley and saw a man uh, walking towards him that fit the description of this person who was said to have a knife. Um, and within seconds, really, uh, this whole encounter, I think, took about 30 35 seconds or something. But within seconds, he had parked his car, got out of the car, and and about five seconds after he got out of the car, he fired. He shot uh, at the guy who was walking at him, who turned out to be uh, the victim in this case, Ferdun Nahad. He was unarmed, uh, it was later found out. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, unfortunately, a somewhat common experience with these officer-involved shootings. So then the family sued. Why don't you kind of explain what happened then? Right. Uh, this was, as uh, you know, people may recall, this was a controversial shooting right from the jump um, uh, because he uh, uh, was uh, found to be unarmed. Uh, that came out a few days later. There was uh, the officer did have a body camera on, but he did not turn it on. So there was no record. And this was kind of at the time where there was a lot of heightened uh, interest here in San Diego and nationally over police conduct and particularly police shootings. This is about the same time as Ferguson, right? Around the same time, right, in 2015, uh, April of 2015. So people were very much on edge and, and very much um, uh, interested in these kinds of incidents. Uh, come to find out that there was video of the incident from a security camera from a nearby business. Um, and uh, initially, neither the police nor the prosecutors would release that video. So, you know, there was just this kind of months-long buildup over what happened here. Uh, there were some eyewitnesses who had said, and we reported at the time, said the, the guy wasn't doing anything. He was just shot, essentially, without provocation. So after, uh, pretty soon after the shooting, the family hired a, a law firm from up in Los Angeles, which mm-hmm. very quickly uh, filed a claim and soon thereafter filed a lawsuit in federal court. So normally, what is the kind of standard for saying an officer-involved shooting is justified, which is what happened in this case? In the uh, state of California, at least now, until uh, if and, and, and when Governor Newsom signs a bill that's that's sitting on his desk. But at the time, in 2015, the standard was uh, if an officer uh, had a uh, uh, reasonable fear for his or her safety or the public's safety and, and fired or used lethal force, it was justified. Um, that maybe probably will be changing. I can get that later. But, um, you know, that, that, and that is, uh, that's a pretty broad standard. It's also kind of reflected in, in federal law as well, the sort of objectively reasonable standard, which comes from a famous Supreme Court case called the Graham versus Florida. 
um, where the justices said, look, we're not here to second guess split second decisions by police. Yeah. And uh, but now we have more information to kind of give more context to that split second decision. So I imagine this emergence in technology has an impact with more, you know, available information to judge whether or not that split second decision was correct or not. It does. I mean, it gives you sort of an objective, you know, uh uh, view of, of what occurred, um, you know, video obviously is subject to interpretation, and but I mean it, it is a kind of a record that everybody can agree on, at least on, on some sort of fundamental level. Uh, and in this case, uh, you know, the other things that, that fed into it were the statements of the eyewitnesses, how San Diego police conducted this investigation, uh, what Browder himself said, and, and some other things. But clearly, uh, I think the real uh, key piece of evidence probably in in this case if it ever goes to trial is that videotape and uh, can you also explain what exactly happened with the ninth circuit so this was interesting um the family sued as we said and it took a while to prosecute the lawsuit uh, a lot of uh, you know discovery and things like that and in late 2017 a federal judge here in san diego uh, dismissed the lawsuit ruled in favor of the city and the police officers Kind of under that standard we just mentioned, he, he determined, Judge William Q. Hayes, determined that uh, Browder's actions were objectively reasonable, that, uh, you know, he had not acted without provocation, but that he got qualified immunity and that is what he did was okay. Um, the, the, and dismissed the entire suit. Uh, the family then appealed, as people often do to the Ninth Circuit, and on uh, Thursday they issued this opinion which essentially refuted most of the findings, if not all of the findings that Hayes had made. And in doing that, you know, really revived the lawsuit and kind of put it back in. So now the family has another chance to re-argue these claims again, right? They do. And they have a chance to, uh, in speaking to the lawyer, I think they're they're very, I wouldn't say excited, this probably isn't a great process, but they're very keen on being able to go into court and present a lot of the evidence that they that they amassed, you know, in, in trying to, uh, when the, the suit was at the lower court level here in San Diego, which included not just a bunch of depositions of people who were involved in the, in the event, but uh, they got internal records of uh, all officer-involved shootings over a few years. They had a police practices expert analyze those. He has some very strong opinions about how many of those uh, shootings were ought to have even occurred very strong opinions about how the police investigated it. And, and that kind of piece of this case, I mean, there are sort of two pieces. There's sort of uh, what the, the shooting and the death and then the larger exploration or question about how the San Diego City Police Department handles these kinds of investigations. In a way, the city could suffer not only damages for what the police officer did in that specific situation, but the kind of response that the entire organization took after the shooting itself. That's, that's true. I mean, there's still a ways to go, but I mean, clearly this ruling uh, yesterday uh, reopened that door. To, it's something called a supervisory liability claim or an agency claim. It's basically where you say, look, it's not just that this um, uh, police officer acted uh, poorly or, or wrongly and, and used excessive force. That That's a claim. But the, the larger question is, uh, this happened because of a, a culture or a custom and practice in this agency that that allows this kind of conduct to go unchecked, unpunished, undisciplined, unscrutinized over a long period of time. And that was 
the thrust of this lawsuit really that to me was very interesting is that be, because they did go and they did get a lot of records from, I think it was about 20 shootings, but that's a pretty good sample size. There aren't that many officer-involved shootings with San Diego PD. Uh, and what they're saying is like, look, th this department uh, has, a, has a history of not disciplining, not taking any action against officers who are involved in shootings. And that creates this culture where you can hop out of your car I mean, this is kind of putting it baldy, but you can hop out of your car on a call about just a guy with a knife, and within five seconds you've shot him dead. And they say it, it's it's a it's a custom, it's an environment that kind of encourages a sort of impunity and use of lethal lethal force. So if San Diego ends up losing this lawsuit and has to pay damages, what are the kind of broader implications outside of the city, or is this something that is only contained within California? Yeah, I think it would, uh, it, you know, and I should say, I mean, that it's still kind of a long way away. I mean, I think that's very interesting as a journalist. I think as a lawyer, there, there are, you know, they'll tell you there's a number of steps there, and the city can easily still kind of defeat these. These are difficult cases to win and claims to prevail on. But let's say that they do. Um, I don't think it would have much application outside of the city of San Diego because every department handles things differently. They have their own different kinds of histories and things like that. Um, but the impact within the city, let's say, just for podcasts' argument of sake, uh, that the, the you know the, that they win, the Nahad family wins, and that there is a finding that the city has had this very lax uh, culture of disciplining these. You know that can lead to. Uh, court ordered or or, or uh, some kind of agreement between the parties changes in how police go about you know investigating and doing these things it kind of the that would have obviously a kind of a longer term effect uh, within San Diego but uh, and it would certainly send up you know statewide it would certainly send up a, a flare that uh, uh, you know if you have a department that that uh, you know maybe doesn't take these things seriously they should and also, after movements like Black Lives Matter and bringing more attention to these kinds of shootings, do you notice any kind of culture change within either police departments or the legal field of it's time for us to do something different than we have in these kind of cases, or are things just as they were? No, I think uh, I don't think things are as they were. I'm not quite sure, you know, and I think kind of the lines have moved a little bit, but it's difficult to say really how much. I mean, so there are two parts of that. I mean, I think within police agencies, while there's a, a more, more, per, perhaps more willingness to engage uh, uh, community groups and people, uh, I, I sense just, this is all personal and very anecdotal, but I sense a sense that a lot of police officers, police agencies feel somewhat um, under uh, uh, excessive scrutiny and, uh -huh. and, and kind of under... Uh, a lot of uh, pressure that's unwarranted, as as they feel. They and it's and it's not only with the shootings, but the whole criminal justice reform movement about you know we've we've been over policing and over incarcerating people for thirty years and we're going to stop. It's been a fairly quick change, and I think they feel caught by that. Legally, I think yeah, there are you know lawyers who do this kind of work uh, and and activists, criminal justice reform activists, who feel that that this is a moment. Uh, that they can get uh, bills passed through the legislature that mm -hmm. are not going to tar lawmakers with soft on crime or anything like that. And they can bring changes to the system uh, that uh, can open it up more and, and can kind of create some transparency. All right. Greg Moran, thank you so much. You're welcome. In other news, 
San Diego bioscience giant Illumina took a hit late Friday. Shares fell by 16%, causing the company to lose $8 billion in market value. The cause was the company's poor second quarter results. The company said that it was caused by an international delay, but didn't specify from where. This comes as the stock market is having a boom. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed above 27,000 points for the first time. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. You can support our journalism by signing up for any or all of our print and digital products at uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.